privilege we have to be able to gather in the presence of God together, people of God together, focusing in on him, on who he is. There's strengthening that happens when we do this. We need this so that we can be faithful to the end, which is what we're going to talk about here this morning from Hebrews chapter 3. When you think about heroes in the scripture, Old Testament, what people come to your mind? When you think about Old Testament heroes, what 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 Old Testament fig- figures do you think, man, that, that guy right there or that lady right there is so inspiring to me? Thank you, Joe. Job, through because he endured such suffering and patience. Joshua, he was a he was a warrior. He was committed. He didn't give up. David was this extravagant, devoted worshiper. Joseph, who had the favor of God on his life and was done wrongly by his, his, his loved ones, went through much difficulty. God brought him through and God fulfilled his plans for him in due time. Uh, Esther, Esther, who had to make the decision, was she going to choose comfort? Was she going to choose comfort and just say nothing about the slaughtering of her people, the Jews? Or was she going to step up and risk her life? And intercede on behalf of her people and be an instrument of God's rescue for, for God's people. Abraham, a man of faith, Gideon. We all love these Old Testament stories and they are inspiring. We get encouraged. Daniel was with somebody who stood under his godly convictions of faith, but wasn't moved by the cultural pressures of his day. But, but the Bible puts the spotlight on Jesus, the ultimate hero. He's the hero of heroes. He's the one who never failed, who delivered, who was faithful to the end. And the the Old Testament and New Testament point us to him as the ultimate example. He's the one that we should put our attention upon. While we can learn great things from great examples throughout Scripture, Jesus is the one true hero. The the fulfillment of the Old Testament, the one who didn't sin at all, the one who remained faithful to the Father. For the Jewish people in the first century, um, and even to this day, Moses, I didn't hear anybody say Moses. Moses, you said Moses. Okay, okay, two people said Moses. Moses was the hero. I mean, I think Abraham too was, was up there, but, but Moses, it was through Moses that the law of God, God spoke to Moses and he brought the law of God to the people. God used Moses, uh, to, to, to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, the deliverance from Egypt, right? So in the Jewish mind, there was this great hero, Moses. He's the, he's the man. He's the man. If he can't do it, no one can, right? No. But but then in the New Testament, we have Jesus that comes on the scene, prophesied, and Moses spoke about in Deuteronomy 18, about another prophet who would come, Jesus, who would be the ultimate revelation of God, who would come as the messenger, the ultimate messenger of God. The scriptures tell us in Hebrews that we are to not only consider all these other saints who've gone before us, but we should fix our eyes on Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Okay, we, we got great people of faith throughout Scripture. But only Jesus is the author and the finisher 
of our faith. So look at Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 1, and we'll read this together. Actually, if you all would stand with me as we read, we're going to read through the first six verses. And we're going to look at three ways that you and I can be faithful to the end as believers in Christ. Three ways that we can cultivate faithfulness and pursue faithfulness and stand strong so that when we die, we go from this life to the next. We hear those words from our Lord and Savior. Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Hebrews 3, 1 1 through 6. If you guys can see it, read it with me. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all of God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house if indeed we can, we hold fast the, our confidence and our boasting and our hope. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So here's where we're going from this text. And we're going to actually go through the rest of the chapter too. I'll read those verses here shortly. God calls his people to be faithful to the end by looking to Jesus listening to and obeying his voice and by exhorting one another daily this is how we do this this is how we how we live lives faithfully before god and so the first thing is consider jesus the faithful one who was the apostle and the high priest the verse one tells us, therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. All of the book of Hebrews is pointing us to Jesus and, and leading us to consider Jesus. Think about Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Focus on Jesus because Jesus is better. Jesus is greater than the angels. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than all those other examples of faith who've gone before us and who have encouraged us and inspired us. Jesus is the ultimate example. And he came to us as the apostle. Okay, I think this is the only time that the scriptures refer to Jesus as the apostle. I can't think of another one. Jesus does say, as the father has sent me. So I send you, which implies the word apostle means sent one. So Jesus came as a sent one from God, the father. He was sent from the father into this world. I guess you could see Jesus as the ultimate missionary, too. He left heaven to go to earth. To come down and rescue us. And then he's also the high priest. So Jesus comes bringing a word from God. A message from God as the apostle. Sent by God the father. Okay. So he and as the high priest. He's made a way for us to be with God. To be forgiven of our sins. He's brought sacrifice. He's became the sacrifice for our sins. 
And he mediates between us and the Father. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus is the, the apostle and the high priest of our confession. So consider him. Consider him. This word consider in the Greek means to perceive, understand, apprehend, to observe, consider, contemplate, discern, detect, to have regard to, to make an account. Okay, these are different ways that the Greek word can be rendered and is rendered in different places in the New Testament. But other translations take this little section. It's so easy to just scroll right over this and reading this. Consider Jesus. Okay, yeah. And you just go on to the next part. But some other translations kind of help us slow down a little bit. Like the net says this, the New English translation says, uh, take note of Jesus. Or the NIV says, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Or the NLT, New Living Translation says, think carefully about this Jesus. The message, Eugene Peterson says, take a good look at Jesus. He's the centerpiece of everything we believe. So consider Jesus. You see, faithfulness overflows out of you and I focusing on Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus, considering Jesus, abiding in Jesus, staying close to Jesus. Faithfulness flows out of you and I beholding, considering, fixing our thoughts and our eyes on Jesus, the faithful one, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so consider him. Now, the, 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 the author of Hebrews points us to Moses. He says, hey, Moses was faithful. He was a servant in God's house. And, and he in no way is belittling Moses or dishonoring Moses. But he's just saying, hey, there's someone greater here than Moses who's worthy of more glory. Jesus wasn't merely a servant in God's house. He was the, the builder of the house. He was the son of the house, over the house, not merely a servant in the house. And so Jesus is greater than Moses. He's greater than the angels. He's greater than any other example of faith that's gone before us. So in chapters 1 and 2, the last two weeks, we've looked at chapters 1 and 2. And we've looked at these specific titles and descriptions of Jesus. Braden Hosel did a wonderful job last week talking about the incarnation of Jesus, explaining to us five reasons why Jesus became human. He became human to be our pioneer to be our sanctifier, our brother, our liberator, our helper. So we looked at those things last week. And the week before that, we looked at uh, Hebrews 1. And I shared how Jesus is the revelation of God, the ultimate revelation of God. God has is now speaking through His Son. He, in times past, God has spoken in various ways, through the prophets, to the prophets, and through the prophets. But now He's speaking through His Son. He's the ultimate revelation of God. He came, Jesus came not merely bringing a message, but he came as the message. The Logos, the word, the eternal word of God, the eternal son of God. He came and he showed us what God's like and he told us what God's like. He declared what God's like and he demonstrated what God's like before our eyes. The one who is full of grace and truth, God incarnate, God in the flesh. We looked at how Jesus is the error of all things, the, the, the agent of creation, the radiance of God's glory, the expression of God's nature, the sustainer of all creation, and the purifier of God's people. Consider Jesus. Consider who He is. Consider what He has done. Consider what He has said. He is the centerpiece of all that we believe. 
And here at City Church, we are committed to being a Christ-centered people that know Jesus. We are committed to knowing Jesus accurately and intimately. We are committed to knowing Jesus theologically, what the scriptures reveal about who he is. And we're committed to knowing him personally in a personal relationship through prayer and communion. Where we're listening to his voice and we're talking back and we're responding to his voice. We're abiding in him and abiding in his word and his word abides in us. So consider Jesus this morning. Fix your eyes on him. John Piper says this commenting on these verses. He says, if your mind is like a compass moving through a world of magnets, making it spin this way and that, make Jesus the North Pole of your mental life. That your mind comes back to again and again throughout the day, through the day. Okay? If, if your mind is like a compass moving through a world of magnets, making it spin this way and that, make Jesus the North Pole of your mental life that your mind comes back to again and again through the day. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Consider Jesus. And that's what we do here. In our songs, in our preaching, in our encouraging in, of one another with the word of God, we fix our eyes on him. We're looking to him and we're telling one another, just like what Amanda was doing this morning. I look to Jesus and she's exhorting us, look to Jesus. He can deal with this, whatever the struggle is. Look to him. So one of the themes that we see that is dominating in the book of Hebrews is not only Jesus, which that is the main point of Hebrews, Jesus Jesus is the substance of the shadows. Jesus is the centerpiece. Jesus is the high priest. And he's all these things. But the the author of Hebrews also calls the people of God to respond to this faithful one, Jesus, with faithfulness as well. There's this theme of perseverance throughout the book of Hebrews that, that the author of Hebrews consistently exhorts and calls the people of God too. And he does it through negative examples that we'll, we'll see here shortly in just a minute, like the Israelites in the wilderness. And he does it through positive examples like Hebrews 11, the, the, hall, the great hall of faith, Moses, but ultimately Jesus as the ultimate faithful one. And so here's some of the verses that deal with perseverance in Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews 2.1, we looked at this two weeks ago. Therefore, we must pay close attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. Uh, Verse 6, But Christ is faithful over God's house as a... We are his house. We are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Verse 14, we'll look at this shortly. And we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Uh, Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Notice how the author of Hebrews continues to point us back to the faithfulness of God, the faithfulness of Christ, because that's the basis of our faithfulness. That's the DNA that we now carry as the children of God. We have the faithful one, the spirit of the faithful one living inside of us. And the Spirit produces faithfulness in our lives. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Nevertheless, we must persevere in authentic faith. 
perseveres and is proven through faithfulness. Let's look at um, Hebrews 6, 11, and 12. And we desire that each of you show the same earnestness to have full assurance of hope until the end. Be faithful to the end. So that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Hebrews 10, 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. And Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. This is the verse probably that most people know from Hebrews. Let us run the race. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. So there's this call to perseverance and there's this call to endurance. And as the people of God, you and I have what it takes to walk this out. And these very warnings and exhortations in Scripture are a means of grace for us to empower us and enable us to continue to be faithful in the path that God's called us to. Amen. Now, there's something we have to wrestle with here theologically. And it's the the ifs these in verse six and verse 14. We are God's house if. If we hold fast our confidence, we have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold our original confidence to the end. So what's he saying here? What, what does he mean here? Is the author implying that we actually become children in the family once we continue, once we finish the race, then we actually become family. Is he saying that? No, I think, I think he's clear here and, and he's, and he's clear and, and the Bible's clear in many other New Testament passages that what God has already done is he's made us his children. He's made us his saints. He's made us his people. And then the Bible calls us to live like that's real, like that's true in our lives. And our lives, living that out is evidence of a genuine work having been done in us. Uh, I like how the the net Bible translates uh, verse 6. It says, "But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. We are his house if in fact we hold firmly our confidence in the hope to take pride in." So this is an exhortation. This is a sermon. Okay? And when preachers preach sermons, preachers know that there are there's there's believers and then there's probably some unbelievers in 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 the same church in the same congregation in the same crowd and so there's a qualifier here that the author of hebrews is giving like he now he calls them in in verse one he calls them brothers and sisters he calls them not only brothers and sisters but he calls them those who share in the heavenly calling but he has to qualify this he doesn't want to give an assurance of salvation to somebody who doesn't know jesus personally and accurately and doesn't have genuine faith and god forbid that we should do that either god forbid that we should prop people up who don't know jesus and say you said the prayer right you're good you're good you said the prayer you're in you walked down the aisle right okay the new testament points us to a lot more than merely saying a prayer walking down an aisle when it comes to salvation in first john first john 5 11 and 12 we we've, we've memorized the verse on assurance of salvation right this is the testimony y'all say it with me that god has given us eternal life and this life is in the son whoever has the son has life whoever does not have the son does not son of god does not have life thank you i need a review a little bit 
That's the, that's the Pastor Keith translation. <clears throat> I, I strongly believe that every Christian should have strong assurance that they're saved. That they know that they know that they know that they're saved. Okay? Now, that's in 1 John 5. But in, when you go back to 1 John 3, 1 John 3 tells us, here's what a child of God is and here's what a child of the devil is. Okay, a child of God loves people and they practice righteousness. Okay, and so if if somebody's holding on to this assurance that I'm a child of God, I know God, I love God, but they don't love people and they're not practicing righteousness, they're not progressing in godliness and holiness, they have little to base their assurance on because of, of, of the other things that First John says. If we're really children of God, we're going to manifest fruit that we reflect our father. Now, I want to put a little caveat here because I don't want I want to affirm the the true people of God this morning. But also if there's anybody who's deceived thinking they're okay and they're all right, they don't know Jesus, I want to wake you up. I want the spirit of God to wake you up out of deception, out of slumber that you might come to hear God's voice and not harden your heart as we'll look at. Let me let me just put it like this. This is this is how I I tried to articulate it, and a lot of other theologians say similar stuff. Uh, authentic faith is revealed through faithfulness. Authentic faith is revealed through faithfulness. It's not just a mere, I believe, I believe, a mere a, a mental ascent, I believe. See, biblical faith has action, and it leads to a life of faithfulness, not merely a one-time act saying, I believe. Let, let's look at it like this. The perseverance of the believer is proof of authentic faith. The endurance of the believer is evidence of having become a partaker in Christ. The faithfulness of the believer is fruit of genuine faith. The holding fast of the believer confirms that we are being held by God's grace. The keeping on of the Christian points to the reality that they are being kept by the power of God for salvation. 1 Peter 1.5, the ongoing sanctification of the believer affirms the salvation of that believer. Hebrews 10.14. And so knowing Jesus changes the trajectory of your life. It changes, knowing Jesus changes you from the inside out. If any man be in Christ Jesus, y'all help me out. He's a new creation. The old is past. Behold, all things are new. We believe that here. We believe that God does this miraculous, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he changes hard hearts and he makes them soft. He takes the thief and he transforms them into a giver. He takes a murderer and he transforms them into a loving person. He takes the liar and he transforms them into somebody who loves the truth and is, is honest. He takes the immoral and he puts them on paths of righteousness for his namesake. And so three things, as I said, to, to cultivate faithfulness, we need to consider Jesus, the faithful one. And we need to cultivate a tender heart that heeds God's voice. Verse seven, it says, therefore, now he's going back, he's quoting Psalm 95. Psalm 95 gives us a snapshot gives us an overview of the Israelites' rebellion and, and turning away from God in the wilderness in the time of testing. Verse 7 says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, everybody say today with me. Today, today if you hear his voice, 
Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to test and they saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. Okay, verse 11. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Now, when I started the series two weeks ago, I said that Hebrews has some of the most severe warnings in the New Testament. Some of the most severe warnings that are designed to to wake up the sleeper, the shake up, the complacent. And Hebrews also provides a lot of affirmation for those who are genuine. Okay? We're going to talk about, we're going to get into this more in chapter 6 and chapter 10. We're going to have to. But there's three things here that I see in chapter 3 that help us be faithful to the end. Persevere. Okay, it's considering Jesus the faithful one and it's cultivating a tender heart that heeds God's voice. Okay, our hearts are prone to wander. Okay, our hearts can be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Okay, our hearts can become callous and numb because sin's deceitful but 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 the child of god has a believing heart okay the child of god perseveres to the end the child of god actually the scripture says has been given a a new heart so god's given us a trajectory towards righteousness god says i'll take that old heart of stone and i'll put in a tender heart as I was thinking about this, I was reminded of my cousin who's, uh, I think, 21 years old. He's a, he's a college student at TCU, and he's been in good health. He goes to the gym a lot. He was a football player. Looks great, but he got the flu um, right around Thanksgiving last year. The, the infection went to his heart, okay? So he got this infection around his heart. And it was, it, it shook us up as a family. It caused us to pray as a family. It kind of brought us together as a family in some ways. And he was in the hospital for a whole month. Turned out he needed heart surgery. They went in and did open heart surgery on a 21 year old who seemed to be in great health. And so somebody can look great externally or just seem like they're doing well, healthy externally physical health or even even spiritual health you might say well he's a, they're a really nice guy a really nice gal but in their heart there may be something going on there that we don't see god sees hearts we don't we see fruit okay we see fruit that comes forth from people's lives through their actions through the words and those things can be revealing to the heart but god's the one who knows heart ultimately knows the hearts of people we don't you and I, if we're going to be faithful, we need to cultivate a tender heart that we're listening to God's voice. And if you're here this morning and you find yourself callous towards God and the things of God, bitter, angry, hardened, numb, know that there's hope for you. Know that there's hope for your heart. God is the best heart surgeon. He takes hearts that are infected with sin and bitterness. And he has some antibiotics that work really, really good. The gospel, the blood of Jesus. And he, he fights it and he gets it out of us and he cleanses us as we'll look at 
in Hebrews. He expounds on that. And he changes us from the inside out where we become new. Nevertheless, as Christians, we still struggle with this, this ongoing battle with sin. We have to resist it. Jesus resisted it perfectly, even to the point of shedding blood, Hebrews 12 tells us. He's gone before us. He's paved the way for us. Therefore, as we looked at last week in chapter 2, he can aid those who are being tempted. He can give you and I the help that we need when we're being tempted to harden our hearts towards our spouse, towards our children, towards our friends, towards our coworkers, to become callous, to hold on to unforgiveness, or to harden our heart towards God when things don't turn out like we think they should. And, and, and we, we say, God, why'd you let this happen? And we hold, we hold this offense towards God. God is the, the ultimate heart surgeon. The Israelites are an example for us, a negative example. They murmured and complained. They committed sexual immorality. They grumbled. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10 that these things took place for our examples. Okay, we learn from Positive examples and neg- negative examples in scripture. Okay, so the author of Hebrews is an exhorter. He's giving this word of exhortation and he's, he's taken the good, the best examples and he's taken the worst, some bad examples. All right. And these Israelites had seen God's goodness and mercy being delivered out of Egypt. God was providing food for them miraculously and they're complaining. They're like, come on, there's no hamburgers here. Where's the meat? This manna stuff is getting real bland. We want, we want some meat, right? Well, let's go back to Egypt. We had meat there. Yeah, but you couldn't rest there. You were a slave there. And, and there's a tendency for us to practice some of those things, same things of grumbling and complaining that they did. And, and what the author of Hebrews tells us that behind that, the root of that, the reason why they did that was because of their unbelief. They disobeyed, they murmured, they complained, they hardened their hearts. There was unbelief in many of the Israelites who were delivered out of Egypt. And so we would do well to heed the advice of Proverbs 4 to, to, to guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the, the issues of life. Right? God, God's looking at your heart. He cares about your heart. What's going on in your heart? Those of you who are parents, you know that to parent well, you have to shepherd your child's heart, not just modify their behavior, not just have behavior management. All right, like, oh, let's get that fruit off of there. Let's, let's trim that tree. We want to, we go for the heart, right? We speak the truth to the heart and we, we, we ask them questions. Why, why are you, why are you so mad? What's going on inside of you that, that you hit your brother or your sister, that you stole your daddy's cookies or what's going on inside of you <laughs> that you weren't thinking about somebody else. We, we aim to shepherd the heart and God does the same for us. He, he turn our hearts to him. He, he engages us at a heart level. Here's a quote. When we neglect the inner life, we risk a sinkhole type collapse in our lives. And ministries, since we do not have the spiritual and emotional resources to hold up under external pressures we face. So to cultivate a tender heart that heeds God, it, it requires us looking inward and asking ourselves questions like talking to our Psalm 42. My soul, why are you cast down? Put your hope in God. Like preach to yourself, preach to your, your soul, trust in God, hope in God, bless the Lord, oh my soul. 
I was encouraging one of my children this week in that as they were wrestling through through anger. I was encouraging my child to tell themselves, settle down, be angry, talk to your, don't let anger control you. You, you resist it. You tell yourself, let it, let it go. The last thing there is to consistently encourage one another. And I didn't leave enough time for this, but this is, this is huge. This is what, what Amanda did this morning in sharing her story with us and, and how she experienced breakthrough and, and through the prayers of the saints and the encouragement of walking together. Being faithful to the end is a community project. You can't do it alone. We need one another. Verse 13, let me read it. But exhort one another every day as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So here is something that will prevent us from being hardened in heart and being led astray. We are our brother's keeper, our sister's keeper. We walk together in community. It was so refreshing this morning. I walked up uh, and the, the, the worship team was out front having their, their devotion time around Psalm 23. And each person was just sharing. And they were doing this very thing, exhorting one another daily while it's called today. Just, just, just highlighting the goodness of God and God's shepherding and God's intimate involvement in our lives and, and how that pertains to, to worship and trusting God. And it's just so refreshing. I'm glad that somebody left their keys that they, they were able to have that outside this morning. I was able to get a snapshot of here is Hebrews 3.13. This is what we do here at City Church. Preaching. This is what I'm committed, committed to doing in these sermons that I preach up here. To not just give you information. I want to explain theology and explain the Bible. And I'm committed to doing that. But I want to exhort you. I'm committed to exhorting you to walk this out. To believe this. To apply it to your life. Okay? And we have not just Sunday mornings. We have small groups, community groups that meet in homes. We have Wednesday night that meets here going through the 2-7. Okay? And there is this is happening in these groups. Okay, and it's key for us if we're going to exhort one another daily, we got to be in close proximity to other believers. We got to immerse ourselves in the community of the faith so that we can be encouraged and so that we can be an encouragement. That's where we will thrive. Isolated Christians wither and they they wither trying to fight the battle all by yourself will wear you out, freak you out discourage you okay we need one another there's strength in numbers and god has called us to be a family he's called us to be his flock he's called us to be a body a body has to be connected and we we get an opportunity to do this paul said in, in colossians three sixteen, he said let the word of christ dwell in you richly let it dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, with hymns, and spiritual songs. Okay? The way that we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly is, back to verse 1, consider Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Take a good look at Jesus and keep looking at him. Don't stop looking at Jesus. Okay? And as you do that, you're just going to move towards Jesus. Move to being more like Jesus. Alright? Be convicted when you're not like Jesus. 
and, and you're going to gravitate. Have you ever done that where you're, you're riding your bike or driving down the road and you're looking at something and you just start to kind of gravitate over there? You didn't mean to, but that's what you're focusing on. And so you, you just tend to focus on that very thing that you're looking at. So we're, we're told to fix our eyes on him. Keep our eyes on him. We will move closer to him, draw near to him, and we'll have an overflow to exhort one another with as we're storing up in our hearts truths about the goodness and the glory, and the power, and the wisdom of Jesus. We're going to want to talk about him. Jesus said a good man out of the good stored up in his heart brings forth good things. What, what are you storing in your heart? Do you have something good to bring to the table because you've been feasting at the table? You've been feasting at the table with, in the presence of God and you got something beautiful to talk about and encourage your brother or sister with going through difficulty. So we, we need this for one another. I heard a story about, uh, some ladies running a uh, marathon, Thunnen, I think it was Pittsburgh. And there was, it was about the 14th mile and one of the ladies was tempted to quit and she was so like, Oh, I'm not going to make it. And, and she was afraid of being last. She didn't want to be last. All right. She didn't want to be last. And so there was another one. <laughs> there was, there was another person that came up that was behind her and they, and, and they, they started to run together from the 14th mile to the 26.2. And they just encouraged one another as they were running. Like, we can do this. Don't give up. We, you can do this. Don't stop. Come on, we can do it. And they made it. They made it all the way to the end. Okay, that was, they were halfway there. They were a little over halfway there at that time. And I've run a half half a marathon, and that's that's crazy. That's tough. All right. So a full marathon's a, a huge deal. I mean, that's like four hours of just going and sweating and working it right. And they made it. And when they made it, they had the crowds just cheering. They weren't. There weren't folks who were like, "Oh, they're they're last." Right. They were cheering for them. There was encouragement. So in this life, you and I, we have one another. We have one another to encourage one another through the difficult times. But then when we get to heaven too, there's a whole cloud of witnesses that's gone before us. And folks that we're going to see up there. And Jesus is waiting for us. Okay, so in an application, take a good look at Jesus and don't take your eyes off him. By reading, daily reading, studying, reflecting on his word. God has given us revelation of himself through scripture. Where scripture speaks, God speaks. Like the scriptures are the inspired word of God, the breathe out by God. If we really believe that, we should come to the scriptures with this expectation that I have revelation of God speaking right here to me. What's he saying to me right now through this? What's this mean? How do I apply this to my life? And then examine your heart. Here, here's, this is key. Examine your heart and look at the fruit of your life. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, okay? Now, as we wrestle through the ifs, if we are the house of God, if we have really become partakers of Christ, here's a verse right here. Paul tells, tells uh, the Corinthians to do the same thing. He says, examine yourselves. To see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves. That Jesus Christ is in you. Unless indeed. You fail to meet the test. Right. You fail to pass the test. And so. We, we should carefully look at God. What God has 
and, and then our lives in response. Have we, have we authentically responded in faith? Have we, have, have, has, has, is there fruit? Is there evidence of change in my life? Why, why? Uh, Peter said it like this. Be diligent, therefore, to make your calling and election sure. Be diligent to make sure you've been called and chosen by God because there should be some evidence that comes forth. Now, I know when you're when somebody's a new believer, you know, it may take some time for that to be more evident. I mean, I had some when I first became a Christian, I had some vocabulary that I had to to change. Right. I, I, I had some issues that didn't really look very Christian like I had some anger. That, that got a hold of me a little, a little too much early on, right? Not, and not that I don't get angry anymore, by the way. I mean, I got angry last week. Okay, but I didn't let that anger dominate my life. Okay? Because I have the power of the Spirit, the Spirit of God living inside of me. I can fight sin because of the resources of the gospel and the Holy Spirit dwelling within we can stand and make war on sin, and we must do that together. So immerse yourselves in community with other believers by corporate worship, committing to a small group, and then doing life together. You can text your brother or sister during the week a scripture, a prayer, encouragement. Ask how you're doing. See, that's what we want to do here. Sundays is great, but we need more than just Sundays to exhort one another daily. That's weekly, okay? All right, so if, we're just, if we're just showing up Sundays and that's all the connection we have with one, that's week, exhort one another weekly, all right? Okay, c- community groups are great. Small groups are great. If we just show up uh, uh, to Sunday and then community groups, then that's like, you know, bi-weekly. That's, you know, okay, that's great. But, but if we're involved in one another's lives, we're making contact with one another, we're commenting on one another's Facebook posts or Instagram or we're doing a Bible reading plan together. Just You can still jump in if you want to jump in there. Mike, talk to Michael Kirshner. We can encourage one another. We have a Facebook group where we, we, we share things on that Facebook group. That's, that's four members here where we encourage one another and pray for one another on there. So when there's something going down, like last week when Kevin, I was having my quiet time in the morning, getting ready to come to church, and he texted me. We're going to ER. Lori's not feeling well. Like, oh man, okay. Facebook group. All right, church. Pray. Let's pray. Pray for Lori and Kevin and the ER. He's not going to be leading worship this morning. And God showed up for them. The saints prayed. They reached out. The saints prayed. God showed up and she got significantly better throughout the day, right? Amen. And so like we're, we're in this together to encourage one another, pray with one another, walk with one another. To weep with one another in the loss. To rejoice with one another in the victories. Amen? So we're not alone. What a comfort that is. Let me close in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you that you have called us your very own children. And we really are. You love us deeply, perfectly. God, may we be changed by knowing you and knowing who we are. Knowing you and what you've done and knowing who you have made us to be. May we be faithful to the end because you, God, are a faithful God. You who promised are faithful. Jesus Christ, you are faithful. And so may we imitate that faithfulness. May we reflect 
that faithfulness. May the fruit of our lives come forth more and more. May faithfulness come forth as a fruit of our lives. And Lord, would you forgive us where we've been unfaithful in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds, where we have sinned against you and others. Now's a great time to confess if there's anything that the Lord brought to your mind. Lord, we want to hear your voice today and not harden our hearts. Give us the grace to respond. Soften our hearts. Remove any callousness from our hearts. And strengthen our hearts, God, to love you. To love one another well. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let me close with Hebrews 13. Verse 20. Now may the God of peace. Who brought up. Who brought again from the dead. Our Lord Jesus. The great shepherd of the sheep. By the blood of the eternal covenant. May he equip you with every good, with everything good, that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. All right. You guys enjoy the Super Bowl today. <laughs>